everybody. Welcome to Hardly Kayfabe. I am one of your hosts. I am Johnny Towns, and I'm joined by Christopher Chavez, and that's it. There's not another person here. That's Eat right. shit. Oh, oh somebody's oh, in yeah, gorilla position. There. Someone's out in gorilla I, position just peering at us all creepily. Who is that? I don't that? see anybody. Who is that? I heard, what you, I heard what you said about me last week. <laughs> don't you ever talk to me like that again. I feel like you're mocking me in my accent, and it's I think hurtful. I am. <laughs> it was kind of well. I was kind of going like a t- with a Terry Funk vibe, and my voice isn't as soft and sweet. But Terry I still Funk. hate you. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, fellas? What's going on, dude? Hi. Another week of wrestling in the books, guys. We're back. Yeah. Another week, and we're all back. The three of us, the three amigos, the the Shield are back. Are we the shield? We're not the shield. Bow, bow. No, I'm a free bow, agent. Bow. Oh, oh, free agent. Bow, 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 yeah. bow. There's rumors that I, there's rumors going around on the Psycho Sids that I'm I'm gonna sign with a different wrestling podcast, but oh, man. I'm not Ooh. sure yet. I'm not sure yet. Johnny's gonna have to do some sucking up. Have to butter me up. Spell my name out in M and M's. Brought the biscuits. <laughs> Is there butter involved? <laughs> it better be. Real butter, not that I can't believe it's not butter kind of butter. So No, I only do the real stuff. I keep it kayfabe when it comes to butter. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, oh boy. Man. Guys, yeah. it's been a while since all three of us have been on the show, so this is kind of fun. Uh, but we decided we're not doing the same show anymore either. <laughs> yeah, we're we're changing. We're changing things up here. Evolution. It's new and fresh. That's what we are. Yeah. Yes. We're we got, actually, we're actually new and fresh. We got new writers in the back. We're fresh and new. And we uh, just rehired people who were fired the first time because they brought a gun to the to the place. <laughs> cough cough Bruce Pritchard cough cough. And uh I'm expecting some great things from people who booked wrestling a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it does have a feel like we're watching wrestling from a decade ago. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, by the no, way. I love no, wrestling. it doesn't. It's, it's a good thing. Uh, but I got to tell you, our main topic today, watching those matches, really reminded me of the stark difference between the two now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can definitely tell a difference in eras, especially just – just in crowds and how crowds are. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And the presentation sure. too. And the presentation yeah. back yeah. then was uh, it. It made it feel incredibly real. Look at us. Yeah. Which you know when we were, we were watching what we were wa- you know we were all watching like it. It felt like a legit sport, and it was just oh, it was the greatest thing. And I yeah. wish it would go back to that. We're going yeah, we're definitely going to is, but yeah, we're definitely going to get into into what we're alluding to here, teasing. Uh, but what we talked about just a, a few min- moments ago is we were thinking about reformatting the show. Normally we do recaps of what happened on Raw and SmackDown. We give them a grade, but everyone does that. And we figured we just want to kind of talk about what headlight, you know, headlines happened, highlights, what was the big deal, uh, and then move on to just main topic and straight wrestling talk, talking about the stuff that we love to talk about, debate about, have opinions on, um, you know, show our knowledge on, uh, and I just feel like that that is something that the three of us for sure could spend hours doing without you oh, know, absolutely. hesitation. Absolutely. There's so much, you know, pro wrestling is, is deep in, in lore, and we could do so much with it, man, so much more than what we are doing. So it's definitely a – I think it's a step in the right direction, most yeah, definitely. 
for sure. So let's do it. Let's just hit, hit some highlights and headlines of, of this week, and then let's move into our main topic that we were teasing here a, a few moments ago. Uh, the big news, I think this is probably the biggest news of the week, was that Roman Reigns returned and announced that his yeah. leukemia is in remission, uh, and he's, he's back in action. I mean, we saw him at the end of Raw uh, back in action, basically, which was yeah. – no, go ahead, Johnny. I'm sorry. I was going to say it was just great to see. I mean, that's a scary thing, obviously. I, even if you weren't a fan of his going into it, I think anybody who's a human being would recognize that that's just scary for everybody. Yeah. And nobody wishes that on anyone. So uh, that was such good news to hear. And honestly, if when he's when he's out there, when he was out there on Monday, to me, that's when he's himself, when he's talking about this stuff. Yeah. And he comes across the most genuine because that, that was one of his biggest criticisms before all this. Mm-hmm. He sounded ph- phony, yes, absolutely. Yeah, he sounded really phony. I, and and I'm telling you, and I hate that it, you know, that the situation, what the situation was, but uh, I mean, he came across to me, he came across very well. And mm-hmm. uh, what a heartfelt moment! And it's such a great moment. That's, I mean, when you see moments like that, that's one of the times I love being a wrestling fan. Yeah, and fans connected was with absolutely- him. They did, and they, they they were absolutely electric. Like that was the most lively a wrestling crowd has that I've seen in in almost quite some time. It's and a stark it's it's a stark difference between last Monday, <laughs> huge difference. And you know what? It, it it's cool too because yes, it was directed for him, and it was, it was yeah. because he was genuine. And then you've seen all the the superstars' reactions throughout the show. Yeah, and then on SmackDown, and they were putting it over and how great it was. Yeah. yeah, even on Twitter. I mean, it's. It's man, it's just such a great moment. I think yeah. we're all happy about that. I will say real quick though, that I already saw, already saw some neck beards who were already complaining that he's going to be shoved down our face again. And I'm like, <laughs> I did, I'm like, freaking, I'm like, give it a give, give the man a couple freaking weeks at least. I, mean, <laughs> I did see it. some other stuff that bothered me too, and that was people who thought that the leukemia ang- you know, that it was an angle and that it was a work. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, like, just for him to get over, and I was. I was disgusted at that. Yeah, it's a little yeah, that's much. Gross. I mean, that's way too much. And and you know, people associate associate with leukemia and leukemia research and and all that. You know, said there's you know this is what happens. Like just it happened. You know, a couple months at a time, it can go into remission with with hard work and and you know in the right processes. And yeah, that was a little upset about that. That people would would stoop that low to it. And I mean, if and I'm not saying that they did, but if WWE were to have done that, it would it would not be a good look. At It'd all. be an all time low. Oh gosh, that would that oh, would destroy yeah. them. They're they're everything about that company would fall. I mean, there were moments if, if in there. There were moments where angles the, the angles they took make us wince or make us kind of groan or like oh god, yeah. right? But this would be the all time low. This would be kind of like I can't even like. Are you serious? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> But it is good to see it. It's I'm it glad was. he's back wrestling, doing what he loves, and yeah, yeah. It was it was really cool to hear the music kick in uh, later on in the show when he came out too. But I think the big the other big thing that happened on Raw was the uh, the return of Batista to destroy oh, Ric Flair's yes. birthday party. I told I told Chris when I saw this, and this is I didn't want to spoil anything to him because I knew he hadn't watched it yet. Was that I felt this was one of the best. Uh, 
And for me, like I actually stood up when this happened. <laughs> One of the best endings and for Raw in a long time. Dude, I did too. That's not a lie. I literally jumped off the couch. I was like, yo! I mean, they did such a great job setting up that this was... I mean, they set this up weeks in advance that this was Ric Flair's birthday. Well, think about yeah. it. You know, they're going to make a big deal. They even brought out, you know, Steamboat and... Yeah. and and Sting Dude. and all these people for for this, and they set it up. They got him that beautiful gold belt. It was set up so perfectly just for Batista of all people to pull the rug out from under all of us. Man, gosh, I love wrestling, guys. I'm gonna tell you right now, this was set up last year. Do you remember Raw 25 yes. when they had yes. that little tense moment between he and Triple H? That was yeah. the setup. Yes. That was. Where I think were, everyone. Yeah, they were planting. I think everyone tooth. Yeah. I think everyone too thought that Batista was going to be the baby face after that because he got a pop for it yeah. last year. But now this year he's going in the heel direction, which um, Batista has publicly admitted that he prefers to be a heel. And he wishes well, I wish his, you. You know, yeah, that's more no, fun. It's easy. And he wished, you know, he wished his run back in 2014. Um, he started off heel right away because when he won the Rumble, he was technically a baby face, but he won the Rumble and people were just not having it. At all, so he he is a good he is a good heel. Um, yeah. He's oh, a yes. great heel when he wants to be. I, I vividly remember his 2010. Uh, I think it was like 2009, 2010, where he feuded with uh, with Ray, and you know he was taking sh- making references to Eddie Guerrero, and then mm-hmm. he went on this this big run where he won the heavyweight, the, you know, the world championship from from John Cena, culminated in you know a couple matches here and there, but. He can go. Batista can go as a heel. It's yeah. uh, oh, yeah. this is this is the best possible scenario for him. And you know uh, he's still in shape because he has to be oh, for yeah. the for those movies he does. So yep, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I it was I, I popped for it. I was very happy to see Dude, it. Dude, I got to tell you, this week I was very impressed with the E because both uh, uh, both programs for me were extremely exciting, and there were moments yeah. where you popped because I did not expect Kevin Owens to to come out at SmackDown, and I did not yeah. expect them to extinguish Kofi's jump or rise. You know real, what I yeah. mean? Real, real quick, real quick to go back to Batista, real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ric Flair turns seventy and is still selling for people. <laughs> Maybe it's real. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I think. I don't think that's selling. I think Batista really beat him up. Yeah, you know what? Me too. This is called Hardly Kayfabe. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going on board with this. But yeah, uh, of course, I'm a giant Kevin Owens fan. So seeing him come back, I really popped for. And, and my favorite part of all this, though, was the reaction online to people, especially people who should know better. I'm talking yeah. <laughs> journalists for wrestling sites. Uh, yeah. These people who should know better, who are complaining about how they booked this, about the, how they're distinguishing, you know, they're taking care of, uh, uh, they're, they're putting out the light of Kofi Kingston when everybody's behind him. Yeah. It's called storytelling. He's going to be there, guys. Yeah, obviously. He's going to be there. Obviously. Oh, without a doubt. I love- yeah, I, I, I had to make that point on Twitter and Facebook because, <laughs> People were, you know, people were pulling the race car like, oh, WWE's racist and and this and that. But it's like you guys don't get story. Yeah, you don't exactly. get storytelling anymore. You you don't. People just want to be happy all the time, and you know, yeah. the, you know how do, much more of a babyface this makes him, even more than he was before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is they're legit copying Daniel Bryan's run from 2014. <laughs> yes. they are copying it verbatim that people bitched about. And you know, <laughs> if if they would have just gave Daniel Bryan that, mo- you know. That moment throughout, it wouldn't have been as exciting. But he went, you know, he did this brief heel phase where he went through Bray Wyatt. The, the, uh, you know, Triple H and company were shutting him down. And, and then he finally got it. And it was 
that was the most electric three three to four months of professional wrestling that I have ever seen. Like, oh, you yeah. know, continuous. Yeah. And you're about to get that with Kofi, you, you, you dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. shut up, enjoy the story. It's a book. <laughs> if the book was all just high notes for a character... It, you, you would just quit pulling for them. Yeah. yeah. And I there's love a reason it. why there's a reason why in comic books there's a reason why the perception of Superman is that he's bland and boring and it's because he has all these superpowers and stuff and he, so everything's great for him, right? Like the, they have to go out of their way it feels like with all the powers that give Superman to make him vulnerable because that's what we want to see. That's who you pull for. You pull for people who you know, the reason Batman's so popular is because he doesn't have any powers, yeah. right? He struggles. He has to find yeah. new ways to beat people. Yeah, he has to use his mind a lot of the times. Uh, but it's, this is that's what I don't get. I'm talking people from major wrestling uh, psycho sids who are saying that who are complaining about this, and I'm like, you've been doing this for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see the pattern. Yeah, I know. God. Bless yeah. America. I got to uh, tell you, the part of the writing I love in this is that uh, a lot of people wanted Kevin Owens back. They were dying for it. When they saw him, it was this weird thing of everyone was cheering for Kofi Kingston, and then all of a sudden they saw him, and they wanted to cheer, but then they realized what it meant. So it was this, there was this almost like swell of cheer, and then it kind of died slightly. But you know what I mean? Um, and I think yeah. – and, and what I liked about this when I said uh, the, the other piece of the writing was if you watched to the end when they had the match, the, the, the tag team match, he and Kofi against Daniel Bryan and Rowan, um, at the very end, after which – thank I'm so happy to see a Stone Cold stunner again. That was just freaking <laughs> yes. awesome. And it was beautiful too, dude. It was a beauty stunner. It was good. Stone Cold put it over on Twitter, I think. Yeah, he did. Or some social he media. Did, yeah. yeah, he compared it to the one that he laid down on Shawn Michaels. They're like back-to-back almost identical. Yeah. Um but yeah, he uh he he lays the stunner down and and wins the match, but as the show's going to credits, camera is right on his face and you see Kofi's not happy, but you you can see hear Kevin saying, "I have family too. I'm doing this for my family too." And if you remember, they were pushing this whole thing with these little vignettes where he's at the bowling alley with his kids, yeah. he's at home doing yeah. things with his kids. <laughs> They're really just start pushing this and his whole kids still in it, and his kids still in his money dollars at a time. Yeah, and tell me that's not going to be great to have the heel that's doing it for his family yeah that was kind of the character he had in the in the indies yeah uh he sort of went that route and i loved it it was so good so i, I kind of like how they brought him back in that we don't know really which direction he's going to go is he heel of face you can't really say right now yep yep i yep. like it a lot and it makes the whole kofi thing more way more interesting because we want to see kofi get his moment he's earned it we all know he's earned it. he's been in that company for over a decade so we all know that he's put in the work. For sure. That's what everybody's pulling for him. I mean, Kofi's such a likable guy. He's always been likable. Uh, I mean, I, I was telling, I don't know if I've told told you this, Matt, but uh, Kofi has quickly become my mom's favorite wrestler. <laughs> like, even before all this. She just lo- she loves the New Day because the New Day is just easy to like, too. Yeah. How could you hate yeah. him? Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody who hate. Uh, if you hate the New Day, then just don't talk to me. I don't know how you exist. <laughs> but, uh, but, like, just Kofi, man, he's... He seems like such a genuine, likable guy that you're just going to pull for him. And the more obstacles you put in his way for him to overcome, the bigger he will be. Yeah. Which is all this was. It, I don't know why. That's Again. It's exactly yeah, what it's, Matt said, the Daniel Bryan thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which that's is, what you do. That's, that's textbook booking. Exactly. Exactly, though. You're right. Uh, I think the other big thing, it wasn't that big news, but it was kind of, was the Hardy boys are back together because Matt Hardy returned. Uh 
Yeah, I mean, it helps that they were in Charlotte, so that's yeah. North Carolina. That's where they're from. Uh, I, it was a, it was a nice feel good moment. I thought he looked fine. Yeah, I thought he looked actually in, in, in pretty good shape. The dude's been uh, looks he looks like he's been working out. But they they went up against the bar. So here's my only concern here. This is three weeks straight now that the bar have just been lose lose lose. They lost the, the two weeks ago to NXT guys. Last week to NXT guys. This week to the Hardys. Um, it's because it's it's. I know what they're doing. They're trying to keep people who aren't getting as much shine happy so that they're not all defecting and asking for releases. But to what extent? Like, how do you start to balance it before your guys who were so used to being in the spotlight and used to being the main attraction guys keep falling and are falling, you know, down the card? Yeah, and I would, dude, I would not want to lose Cesaro and Sheamus either. No. I mean, Cesaro can still go. Sheamus, well, Sheamus has kind of a bad reputation backstage, but that dude can still go and. He'll get work. I mean, he doesn't. Those are guys who don't need. They've been. They've established themselves in the WWE for so long that they can go. They can go on the indies and leave, live comfortably, just wrestling on weekends. You know what I mean? So, mm. I don't know what you yeah. mean about Sheamus. Every time I see him on Twitter, he's like working out with another person <laughs> at a gym or something, and they look like they're having a great time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Triple H. No, I mean it's never been Triple H. <laughs> yeah, which is strange because isn't it supposed to be like his bestie or something? <laughs> I think so. Nice. I think so. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, but I think those are like the big giant headlines that came out of the week. Anything else you guys thought were we should touch on before we, we check out any of the Psycho Sids? Well, we got Get- one headline locally. Oh, yeah. What's that one? Oh, well, if you haven't been paying attention to our social media, on August 3rd, 2176 Liberty Drive in Niagara Falls, New York at the Frontier Fire Hall. We're going to be hosting a podcast convention. Hey. Hey, the first ever Western New York PodCon showcase. That's right. We're booking it and we're putting ourselves over. (laughs) We actually are. I've done a very good job of putting myself over so far. Um, (laughs) People people who are going to come to the con, it's $10 to get through the door. And you get to see all these different great local podcasters from Western New York. From uh, got some from Rochester. We have some out of state from like Orlando and... And in various places that are coming up for it, so it's going to be cool. Uh, I get to meet some for the you know for for fans of podcasts. You get to come meet some new podcasts. Maybe maybe get on you know for a little bit. There's going to be live recordings. We're going to do a um, a seminar to start off. I think it's like ten thirty a.m. Uh, we were looking at maybe we'll adjust that, but we're going to do a seminar on how to start a podcast, which is. Uh, which is pretty cool, and for, and for other you know for podcasters who want to get on, twenty five dollars gets you two tables, four badges. You can vet, you can sell stuff, um, and you get the optional live recording if you want to participate in that in front of people. Yeah, and may I just say real quick, as a guy who is an artist and who actually does a lot of conventions, that price is a steal for a table. That is crazy cheap for two tables. Yeah. is ridiculous. You're getting two, two eight footers, two eight footers. Eight footers. Yep. Yeah. So jump on board for that. For yeah, sure. it was yeah, a cool. It was it, it was the funny thing is is a couple of years ago I had this a thought of doing a, a, a podcast convention because you know we had the the, the comic book podcast going. We go to all these conventions and I just thought to myself there isn't anywhere where we can go and check out all different kinds of podcasts. You know, interact with podcasters. You know, see panels about podcasts. And so then I thought you know why not do something like that? But I just thought you know. 
trying to put on such an event has got to be so astoundingly overwhelming that I just don't have the time for it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then Matt, it was funny. Matt had this thought and he came to me. He's like, hey, he's like, what if we had a showcase for podcasts? I was like, get the F out of here, dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> get out of my brain. That's uh, really, I mean, how it went. We started advertising it on the shows this week. We yeah. have an event page up now, yep. but. I was like, yeah, why? I mean, why not? People, podcasting is in a boom period right now. Yeah. It's, it's in a boom period. People love them, and people will eat up the fact that there's local people doing something with their lives, especially something like podcasting. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, that's going to be part of the draw. We're talking, and we're not going to reveal any anything yet because nothing's confirmed, but, I mean, we're in the talks of adding some big-name local podcasts and podcasters to you know, for people to come check out and support, man, it's 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 a cool opportunity for for podcasters and for uh, listeners. And it's the uh, first like one. Really, it's the first it's one, the first, first one. annual. I think for the first San Diego Comic Con took place in a little hotel, like one of those their little side rooms, their little you know what I mean, those the yep. the, the banquet rooms that you can you can yep. uh, get. And I think New York City Comic Con first started in a basement. So. Uh, Dude, come out, support us on the first ever, and who knows, you know, five, six, ten years from now, we might be so big, and you can say, I was there when. Exactly. Uh, something to be proud of. We're all working very diligently, very hard to put this thing together. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. So if you're a fan of Harley Kayfabe, come out and say hi to myself and Matt, uh, and a few of the local wrestlers as well, because we'll be out there on, on August 3rd, right? August 3rd. August 3rd, yep. 10. It's going to be run from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. For, uh, you know, patrons, people coming to visit. And, yeah, if you're interested in setting up a table, well, setting up two tables technically, email myself at uh, the2, is in the number 2, ptconversation at gmail.com. That's the2pointconversation at gmail.com. And uh, we'll send you an email um, letter and the PayPal link to lock in your spot. All right. Thank you so much, Maverick Matt, cutting a promo on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, but anything, Is that it for headlines? I think headlines. You guys see anything on the Psycho Sids at all? Hear any, any rumors or whispers or any psychotic ramblings? I had a thought, and it may be a psychotic rambling. <laughs> uh, it, it comes with she- the Seamus. I don't know why, but actually I do know why. Uh, is there a move that you guys just miss, like a wrestling move? I really miss the Outsiders Edge. I don't. I don't know. Like you know, it's it's just such a great move. It's like a a different form of a power bomb. Yeah, yeah. I just just always liked it, and Sheamus used it there for a little while too, uh, but he just doesn't do it anymore. So I wonder if it was just banned or something. I don't know, but. But man, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. I was I was like, man, I just missed that move. I always liked the pile driver. Because I felt like if you were on the receiving end of it, it was one of those things while while you were waiting, you know, you're kind of in the air and you're waiting to, to for that fallback, uh, that sit or whatever it is they do. Um, it's it just always seems so like scary. There's nothing you could do. You know what I mean? The guy's because it is scary. The guy's holding your <laughs> legs. You can't. I mean, I'm sure you could try to wiggle your way out of it. But that for me, I always felt like it was scary and effective. Like if somebody was getting their pile a pile driver, uh, forget it. They're going to be dazed for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they'll have to retire like Stone Cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it's you don't done. move I miss? You don't move I miss? Who's that? Woman's Special Slap 2. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever played a wrestling game in the older days, Woman's Special Slap 2 was a highly effective move 
for most of the female wrestlers. And I liked it. Most of their generic finishers. So yeah, women's special slap too. Not to be confused f- with one, but two. The the other one that I really miss, and this harkens back to the old video games too, is the old, uh, the old uh, you know cower in the corner, say no 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 no, and stand up and poke the guy in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> The Ric Flair special is what I call it. Or Ger- German Suplex 7. That's what I like. It's <laughs> amazing. Or the, uh, the or one of my favorites is the old Flair flop. Uh, that's just, when he would just fall on his face. I remember that, we're about to get into our topic here, but that's one of the things I really miss is that Flair, he did, <laughs> where he would just like get dazed from a move and just would walk so many feet and then just fall on his face. <laughs> It's a work of art. It is the best. The it is best. masterful. The All face right. face plant. It is. So, so Chris, gonna... what is what is our topic today, Chris? Oh, okay. hold your horses! Hold your horses! <laughs> what we am I take... forgetting? I don't have notes. <laughs> we have to t- <laughs> we have to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back for oh, I thought our we already topic did that. today. No, we didn't. No, you're way <laughs> off, man. Oh, uh, man, I'm not. I'm not a professional. This anymore. is why we have heat. This is why we have nuclear yeah, heat. Is, yeah. We and just if don't I get ever, along. If I ever bump into you into an alley, it's going down. It's Uh-oh. going down. I will so. only fight you in front of millions of people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Hardly kayfabe listeners. We're going to be right back after a quick commercial break. They call me hanging in the backseat oh. with the gang. Hanging in the backseat with the gang. Yeah. Hanging in the backseat. Come on. With the gang. Dang. With the gang. Hey. With the gang. Hanging in the backseat with the gang. Ooh. Hanging in the backseat with network gang. Hanging network. in the backseat with the gang. Uh, with the gang. Hanging with the gang. Uh, hanging with the gang. You know it ain't no game unless it's PlayStation. We don't play them things. Hey, put any console in front of me, and I will console you on it. G. I promise. I'm the best. You trying to beat me is just a test. But you gon' fail it. F. Every single time you run up on it, it's a guess. Cause you never know what I'm coming with. Never know where I'm coming from. You don't know what I dealt with. You don't know what I'm doing, son. I'm the one. Like Neo. And I see. Like Neo. Hanging in the backseat. With the gang, hey. hanging in the backseat. With the gang, hey. hanging in the backseat. With the gang, hey. with the gang, network gang. Ooh. Hanging in the backseat. With the gang, hanging in the backseat. With the gang, Ooh. hanging in the backseat. With the gang, network gang, baby, hey. network gang. Hey. No. www.bicbp-radio.com for all your podcasting needs and necessities. It's your boy, C-Ham. Yes, sir. A.K.A. A.K.A. the World Heavyweight Champion of Live Broadcasting. A.K.A. A.K.A. Abraham DeLacy. A.K.A. the Frivolous One. A.K.A. the one they call him. Ham. Guys, guys, break it up. Get back. Get back. Step back from each other. Knock it off. We're back. We're back on the air. I, I, I We're on the so air. Much. We're on Act professional. We're on the air. Welcome you know, back, If guys. I could do a New York accent, I would do it right now. <laughs> I don't even but have I can't. an accent. So you're lucky. That's what I told myself for a long time, and now listen to these words that I'm saying. 
It's nothing but an accent that I have. <laughs> I can't escape it, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. That was uh, that was one of our BICBP network commercials, and uh, we are back to Hardly Kayfabe. So what we're doing now is we're going to start doing this thing where each of us, uh, each week, Matt will do it next week, or Johnny, whoever, um, we're going to come with a topic, something we want to talk about in, in regards to the world of wrestling, the history of wrestling. And the one I wanted to talk about was something that came up because this year, uh, last month in February, marks the 30th anniversary of the beginning of what would become uh, a legendary trilogy of matches. It's a trilogy of matches that, that people, like nowadays people talk about the Okada Omega match matches. Have you guys ever watched those matches? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, you can see why there's a comparison because it's this just one, two, three set of matches that are just absolutely phenomenal. It, it just it's these these almost you know when you have a match, it seems like it's once in a lifetime. This happens three times in a row. You know what I mean? And it's insane. So uh, the 30 year anniversary is for the Ric Flair Ricky the Dragon Steamboat trilogy of matches that happened in 1989. Uh, this is after Ricky Steamboat had kind of risen to popularity um, following the Macho Man match at WrestleMania III. Um, he'd been around for a while. If you look at old old WCW shows, NWA shows, you know you'll see back when you know Flair was winning his first or second title. Like he and he and Steamboat were actually buddies and friends backstage. There's a there was one match I was watching. Um, I think it was Starcade where where Flair won the the belt for the second time, and he's in the back, and Tony Schiavone's back there with his little like mustache and talking <laughs> talking to him like, hey, you know, we're here with Ric Flair, and here comes Ricky Steamboat, congratulating him, handing him a, a bottle of champagne, and I mean, so they've both been around for a while, they've known each other for a while, and they've even had matches with with each other, but there was something about this year, 1989, when they, you know, when the first match, you know, Flair's going to defend his title to Ricky Steamboat. Uh, and then the two subsequent matches after, there was something about each of them that just really highlighted the athleticism, just the level that these guys were on. It was almost, it's literally legendary. We will, we all three went back and watched all three of them. And I think we can all agree, like, wow, right? Like, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's three matches. It's over two hours worth of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, you know, is it was the, it the crazy thing. And I mean that the, that was that generation that those were the best um, from a wrestling standpoint. Those were two of the best guys of the eighties. Yeah, and it showed. I mean, I'm really glad that it was a trilogy. It wasn't just a one-off match that, you know, oh here's here's one match and and, the, and that's it. But man, it's so amazing. And those are the like we talked about we went into that briefly before. This is the wrestling that I love. It felt real. It didn't feel like a show. It felt yeah. like you were watching like a like a like a boxing event. You know the the way a boxing event was. You just had that realistic look to it. Yeah. And the you know the the wrestling style. It wasn't you know show offy. It wasn't overboard. Yeah. Ric Flair was you know Ric Flair showed off a little bit, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as dramatic as some of the guys are now. Yeah. yeah I really, I really liked how the, their matches kind of told two stories. One was outside of the ring. One was in the ring uh, in the ring. The story was these two guys were evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a story they told and they did a really good job, man, the way these two guys in all three matches, uh, put these matches together. They were so even on everything. They yeah. were back and forth, back and forth. They sold like crazy for each other. Oh. And, uh, and, uh, 
outside of the ring, you had the classic story of Flair being all you know, the pompous, uh, you know, from uh, like he had every he's had everything given to him pretty much. Yep. He's, he comes to the ring uh, in the, in the robes and with the women and all this stuff, and then you have you know Ricky Steamboat who's all about family, hundred percent yep. about family, and for some reason they have a horse, I guess, that comes with him <laughs> to the ring. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, it's his uh, wife I, I also and his love son their usually. Well, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, with uh, his wife and son, uh, and man, it's just it's just some the old school stuff. The reason that people still love it is because we can watch a match thirty years later and it still holds up, despite the fact that uh, not nay a super kick was thrown. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent right. There wasn't anything fancy. There was a lot of um, holds, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of oh my, yeah, a lot of chops. Yeah, the fanciest was... thing I think I saw was an enziguri. Yeah, and they didn't even call Steamboat. it that. That it was back then. Yeah. It was just called a karate kick. Yeah, yeah, um, which, exactly. Which is, you know, simplistic in nature too. Man, it was just everything was so simplified. Yeah, there was no flippy doos and no. Yeah, lots of holds. There but, was so much technique, and and that's what I love about professional wrestling. When dude, the, when you can do that and make people want to watch it. And this, the if shots, you can do a match, if you can do a match where there's so many headlocks, and yet I'm still on board for this match. Yeah, you're doing something right. Exactly, yeah. and the shots are. Legit shots. There, I mean, there were some that you could tell you obviously pull right, but overall, I mean, they they beat at each other. They beat at each other's limbs, at their at each other's bodies. I mean, they just pounded yeah. each other. And the thing, oh, I, yeah. and when you say sold, Johnny, this was the, there was two things that really really stood out to me in this entire thing. Actually, three things. Um, the first one was just the selling. The selling for both of these guys. I mean. You don't. It's so rare these days that you see guys truly sell for the other. I mean, truly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there, and, there's a yeah. There's and a, to jump on board to, to jump on board with that real quick, Chris Flair even sold with his voice. Yeah. Oh my god, like, dude. When he would scream in pain with things like that, just added. That's to my. It. That's that's. I was gonna say it's one of my favorite things about Flair is the the Flair the what's the the whale. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, oh God. You yeah. Say that a lot. Yeah. The, oh no. So awesome. Oh God. And the the and it and he just sold it with such such intensity that you truly felt this guy's feeling some pain, you know. And and I know back in those days, you know, the old school guys they they made sure you felt pain so that it wasn't hard for you to sell. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so these days, the the selling just isn't the same. It just isn't. The other thing I noticed is the presentation because. The camera work. Think about the camera work. Nowadays, we have cameras that are such high definition, and we've got all these different angles, plus a, uh, you know, a crane that comes swooping down and gets different angles. And then you've got these camera te- technicians that are trained to do these, this weird kind of zoom in, zoom out thing every time there's certain hits and, and to kind of emphasize the, you know, how hard those hits are, whereas... Back in these days, you had a couple. You had the one stationary camera to catch the entire audience and the ring and everything, and you had a couple of guys on the side, and that was it. And so those—that's what you keep moving to, and those are your shots. And because of that, it really lim- it, it gives you such angles where it's it's they're so dynamic. They make them look larger than life, and it makes you see things from a certain angle. But what it also does is—and this is my third point—is I think maybe once. In all three matches, did I catch one of them calling calling the next spot? Once, yeah, I could. It, it was one of these things where it was like, 
it was it was literally watching two guys just beat each other up because it didn't look fake. It didn't look like someone was taking their time to really tell the other one something else. You know what I mean? Or like uh, this past week, I don't know if you noticed when um, the the uh, the bar match against Ricochet and Alistair Black. Camera zooms in on Alistair Black's face as he's telling Sheamus what to do next. Like literally out yeah. loud. It was the worst. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, that's a lost art, too, is the secrecy of calling oh, in the man. ring. And people just do it so open because they're like, oh, you know, everybody knows. Or, oh, the camera angles will, you know, the, the cameras can adjust and, and, and help us for TV. Because TV is the worst, you know, it, it doesn't help because there's so many close-ups and whatnot. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lost art, and yeah. they were just fantastic at it. Yeah, when and you had, they had only... a lot of chemistry, too. Yeah. So they kind of just oh, knew. Yeah. They yeah. kind of knew what was coming. They wrestled a simple match. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're call- if you're just going on the fly, you just kind of know. Yeah, their match was, to back you up, their, match, their matches were so simple is that when I saw, like, a double underhook suplex, my mind exploded. Yeah. <laughs> or, or a superplex. Those were the two huge moves that happened. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was basically, I mean, Steamboat would come off the ropes sometimes to do those karate chops. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, compared to matches today, like, just look at a cruiserweight match. And I love the cruiserweights. I'm not putting them down at all. Yeah. But, you know, there's so much flying around the ring that they do to make their matches, that really help their matches be good. These two guys didn't do really any of that. But they kept moving, uh, except for when they were selling things. Man. Uh, And also, here's a side note for all – and I was thinking of this as I was watching all three of these matches. This was a lot more Terry Funk than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing. I like Terry I have Funk. To t- I just wasn't expecting I it. I got to tell you, I feel like I remember, because now we're talking the era when I was a kid watching. I was literally 10 years old. No, 11 years old watching. This is when I was watching WCW, TBS, NWA in when I was living in Florida. And I, re- I almost remember um, – one of the episodes of WCW, like that, it comes immediately after that last one, the War Games one. That is it, War Games? No, Wrestle War. Um, yeah, yeah. Where they do that, they talk about what happened the night before at Wrestle War, and they showed the the uh, you know the Terry Funk attack. And I remember thinking, I I've seen this, I've seen this before. I was a little kid again watching it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you guys this. The, okay, I've already kind of brought it up. The the flare face flop that he would do. Oh, my favorite. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah I, I love it. Is that, because it, it might be mine, is that the greatest non-offensive wrestling move ever? Yeah. Yes. I agree. It has I think to be. It, is. it has to be. What uh, else could there be? Aside from put it up, maybe the, maybe, the rocks flop after yeah, a stunner? that's what I was about to say. The, yeah, that's what fi- I was about to say. The fish flop, right? The electric fish flop or whatever it is he does. Yeah, which I do love that one, but I still think his Flair one beats yeah, that this, one. Yeah, the Flair one is one of those ones where as soon as you see him take at least two steps, you know it's coming, and you get giddy for it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, here it comes. <laughs> and he'll delay <laughs> it, too, because he knows people are waiting for it. He'll delay yeah. it just a second and then hit it. Uh, it's yeah. so good. It's so good. I flip and love it. I love when he literally yeah. walks the length of the ring, maybe does half a yes. turn like he's going to come back, and then that's where he flops. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's so good, dude. He's so good. But let's bring up something on the other end of it. One of the greatest defensive moves that's just as simple as it is, is Flair's chops are unparalleled. Who else has a chop like him, dude? No lie. Like, who else? No, no, I mean, no one does. But I will say Steamboat more than held his own with oh, his chops in these yeah, matches. It was like that was these the, guys were chopping each other down like crazy. I mean, yeah, they they'd were, step into it. Oh, man. These I guys are lumberjacks, dude. 
I would have loved to see a close up, like slow motion shot of their oh. chest as the as the oh, chops man. were happening. Just I re- uh, I remember Ric Flair saying one time they were asking him how uh, you're supposed to, like how he learned to throw great punches, and he told the story of he would hang a, a string from a doorway and he would throw punches at it, and when he could throw a punch and basically almost touch the string without the string moving because of the wind he was throwing, yeah. that he knew he was throwing a great punch, you know, a great working punch. But these chops, man, there's no way. Like, these were these had to be legit chops, right? Because I was hurting listening to these Dude, things. those are straight legit. So when I was watching the, the first of the trilogy, the Chi-Town Rumble in 89, um, I literally tweeted what – J- uh, Jr. says because there's this, a point where he's got he's got uh, Steamboat in the corner, and he just lays into him with this chop that is just I mean the smack is so loud it made my ears ring. All right, and <laughs> and Jr. was in the middle of saying something, then he just kind of stops and he's like, "Man, those chops send chills down my spine." I was like, "Exactly, who does that?" I mean, I know you're right. Ricky has, you know, he held his own too because they both did. That was one of their things they always did. That chop, chop. Oh, we'll all chop yeah, you back. Yeah, between these three matches, between these three matches, we easily saw over a hundred chops. Yeah, a, a, an entire rainforest easily. was taken down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, it was it was. Oh my god, there's some there's an art form to it. I know there is, and 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 Rick literally wrote the instruction manual for it because the, there is just. The, the chop is insane off of Flair's. And I will and I also and I also say this. There's a guy right now, Walter. I think he's in NXT oh, UK yeah, right now. Yeah. And he's known for his chops, but his chops he does on purpose to make people bleed from the chest. Oh. Which I don't care for personally. That's more of a These slap. two guys were ma- these two guys were masters with their chops to the point where they made such a loud noise and it looked painful and it sounded painful. But I didn't see either guy bleeding from the chest. No, no, not bleeding. I mean, there's a little bit of welt, but yeah, definitely. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to get welted. You're going to get red because you're, because I mean, you're smacking each other in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to happen. But they're not trying to draw blood from each other. No. But, but man, the other thing I was going to bring up too is, especially in the um, in the last match I watched, which was the two out of three falls match. Yeah. Uh, I've always had. I've always wondered this. Maybe Matt can answer this since he's he was a pro wrestler. Uh, so especially back then, they were really a stickler for the rules, right? Like, yeah, uh, there were certain rules you couldn't do. Oh yeah, you can't the throw them by, over oh, the ropes. Yeah. Side note: the refs were great in these matches, by the way. Uh, so why is it okay to do an inverted inverted atomic drop? Is that not a low blow? <laughs> That's what I've always thought. And and uh, Je- I mean, Jeff Hardy used to do that leg drop thing, be- you know, between yes. the crotch. I don't yep. understand the logic behind it. Um, I, I've, I've never really understood. I think the idea is that it's like, like with the atomic drop, the knees hitting like the, the, uh, the posterior area. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the only logic I can, I can really think of. Um, cause it's not like a direct shot to the beanbag. Um, <laughs> I, that's the only legit, cause I've always questioned them. Like, isn't that a low blow? Like, no. Yeah. Um, because the way the you know when you when you kneel down, the angle of your knee is kind of hitting the tailbone, the ass area. Yeah, the, yeah, it's kind of hitting the <laughs> ass area. It and, looks like a low blow to me. <laughs> no, it does, one hundred percent. And uh, too, with uh, like uh, J- like Jeff Hardy's, like I've always seen it too. Like maybe they think, oh, the mo- the weight of the legs is hitting, hitting the, the gut or something. The gut. But then I always think, what about the Dudley Boys? 
uh, headbutt thing that they used to do. Yeah, yeah, that was that was full into the crotch. That oh, wasn't. They, even, they were not even hiding that. No, like right before the ref, I'm like, what is this shit? I yeah. can't. I can't. Was there a rule? Was I there mean, a rule? Was it just no crotch shot, or where you couldn't use your fist or your foot to the crotch? I don't also, know. A headbutt to the crotch is okay. That's perfectly fine <laughs> as long as you're coming off the top ropes wearing, uh, you know, spectacles. <laughs> oh, speaking of coming off the top ropes, I don't remember which match it was, but Flair goes to the top rope and actually does a dive off of it. Yeah. He doesn't get thrown off of it or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he dived, but I think Steamboat rolled through. He did. Yeah, but he did. I was just that was the I was just blown one. away that I think that was yeah, I was just blown away that he actually did it without getting thrown off of it. Yeah, well, there yeah. was a few times that Flair used to drop that crossbody, uh that flying crossbody off the top rope. Um but he, yeah, this these, this time uh, I think there was a couple times though uh in this trilogy where he did get caught and, th- and thrown off. Yeah. I, I used to love that too. When he gets caught and he's like shaking that blonde mop yeah. going, no, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. God, these guys Man. are so good. Let me tell you in regards to selling also, um, their faces did so much work and so much storytelling. Oh, yes. Flair has a face that if he wants to look like he hates you, he hates you. You know what I mean? Like every time he would grab Ricky's like b- a steamboat by the hair, like he had this face on him, like he wanted to rip his scalp off. It was the, it was just like he gives this grimace that like makes you believe he he wanted to. They wanted to punish each other. You know what I mean? They, uh, God, man, the just the athleticism in all three of these matches is. I forgot how much I really love these two. You know, in the ring together. <laughs> so I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, how do you how do you not look at these two going at each other and not think that this would be something? If if I wanted to get into pro wrestling, yeah, uh, these these would be matches I would study. Mm-hmm. Stuff like this, yes, sir. Just to get just to understand in ring uh, in ring psychology and uh, heck, if I wanted, if one of my offensive moves was a chop, I'd watch these matches over and over and over again <laughs> to learn how to do it right. <laughs> Uh, what else did we have? Okay, so let's do this. Let's see. The, the three matches were, if, if if people at home have never seen them and want to check them out, they're on the network. Uh, the first match was Chi-Town Rumble. It takes place in Chicago, February 20th, 1989. This is Ric Flair as the world champion uh, going up against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, uh, who's challenging him for the belt. And uh, Steamboat does end up winning the belt from him. It becomes a big deal. But this was quite a match. I mean, just the first Spoiler of this trilo- alert, Chris, trilogy. <laughs> oh, we're spoiling it all. Uh, okay. But this trilogy, like, went to, to kick off the trilogy, this was quite a match already. You know what I mean? Yeah. This was like the – like when you know you have a, a five-course meal coming and it's going to be amazing at a really nice restaurant. Yeah. This is a this is a great great way to start this this meal exactly this match here exactly. Then it moves into Clash of Champions six Raging Cajun, in which uh, Steamboat defends the belt against Flair, uh, and it ends in controversy. At first, it like oh, it, yes. there's all this confusion, this controversy. Everybody's saying what's happening, uh, and you find out that Steamboat retains the title. Um, h- however, I guess Flair had had his his foot on the ropes or underneath the ropes, and and the the. Uh, the um, what's his name? The, the Tommy Young didn't see it, so he you know he counts the three count and Steamboat keeps the title. But at, at backstage, Jim Ross is just kind of like, so we got some footage here. You're gonna want to check this out, Steamboat. And they show the footage where the foot goes out there. Um, and I like how Steamboat like this is such old school ways. Like Steamboat's just like you know, if I was Flair, I'd 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 have some problems with that. Also, I would want to go get my lawyer 
and uh, you know what I mean? Like, go get your lawyer and contest the, the call at the end of the match. That was so yeah. good, dude. So awesome. That but one that, was my favorite one because the length of it. That was the two um, out of three match, which was awesome. I mean, that's the yeah, kind of match was, you want to give these guys. It was legit. Uh, like 55, 56 minutes of just wrestling. Yeah. And no, no gaga, no, you know, big breaks. It was just straight action for 50, 55, 56 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Greatness. God, there was, a, there was some amazing chops in that one as well. Uh, yeah. Then the last one of the trilogy was Wrestle War, Music City Showdown, May 7th, 1989. Uh, this is the one where uh, Steamboat comes in with his family and his kids on a horse. Uh, yes. <laughs> a white horse and flair is accompanied to the ring not by not, not just by this the what is it four or five women that are with him but another 40 that are lining the 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 entrance the you know the the walkway like this yeah, is so beautiful it really reminded me these these entrances really reminded me of when we get some awesome ones for wrestlemania yeah yeah this is their answer to like the the you know the the big bright lights of the wwf at the time yeah i, yeah, I, yeah. I think Big wrestle war. Uh, but all three matches were amazing. So, Matt, you said the second one was your favorite. The two out of three falls, the longest one? It was. It was. I mean, I really liked them all, but the, the second one was. There was one part of the, the Chi-Town Rumble one that bothered me. Oh, what's that? And it, Flair had him in the figure. I think it was the figure four. Yeah. And Steamboat is, like, he's fighting it. But then all of a sudden he starts tapping to get the crowd into it. And he's tapping a lot. And in my mind is like, why isn't the ref calling this? I know uh, what Ricky's trying to do, but he's clearly tapping and he's yeah. in a hold. So obviously that would be a tap out. I'm um, glad you said this. I, I notice a lot of people do that. I mean, even today, when they're put into a submission move, uh, they're, uh, you know, they're they're trying to get the crowd behind them. So they're, I mean, what else are you going to do but like smack the, the mat or something? But right. technically, that's a tap. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I'm you know behind what, you on that. Yeah. You know what's going to happen too is is that they're going to play that into a story at some point in the future, and and somebody's going to lose a title and be pissed at it and say I wasn't tapping. I was trying to get the crowd <laughs> into it. Um, yeah. So which one's your favorite, Johnny, of the three? It's probably the same one, but I really liked all three of these. Yeah. I don't think you can go wrong picking any one of them to watch. They're all so very good. Yeah, uh, and, and it's really weird for me to say that the one that was an hour long, especially with my short attention span, was my favorite one. But it, it they do such a great job of holding your attention, and that's despite the fact that it has a lot of headlocks in it. Yeah, but they're so they do it so good, and there's so much tension in the building, and the crowd's all into all this. I mean, they cut to one time they cut to this guy who's just screaming for Steamboat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I freaking love that. It was. It uh, was. They'd have some. Great, they had some great crowd shots in this. It's great. I have. But, I have to man. agree. I love. I love the middle. The the second one as well. I thought that one was just intense. The third one, though, I thought was great too. I thought the third one had a lot of outside stuff happening. Like there was one time where. Uh, Steamboat comes off the ropes and Flair just kind of helps him go over the ropes and out the ring, and uh, and and the refs just like you know no it was momentum it was momentum, and then just a few moments later there's another spot where Steamboat does the same thing comes off the ropes this time it's like he was going to jump at Flair Flair ducks and he just clears the ropes and flies out of the ring like I wasn't expecting that I literally went what like I jumped and was like holy crap I did not expect that at all because yeah. I you just don't remember like much of that from that era and especially after no. having seen the last two matches with these guys i was not expecting him to just go flying right out of the ring that way um so for a second i almost had that 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 magic you know what i mean where you go yeah. oh, is that real 
<laughs> you know Matt, I'm gonna I mean? I'm gonna ask you the I'm gonna ask you this, Matt. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. The figure four versus the chicken wing. <laughs> uh, which one is more painful? Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you this. This is just my experience, and I was never a wrestler, but when I was in high school. Uh, I was put into a figure four leg lock and I was always, cause I already knew the, I was quote unquote smart to the business. So in my head I was like, oh, this is, I could take this. This is a good, that thing freaking hurts. If, if it's angled right, you know, sometimes people try to do it straight on and it, uh, it doesn't add, cause I think that the person delivering it has to be angled a little bit. So yeah. Yeah. So the opponent's leg is on top of their leg and then they're put, they're putting pressure on it. Um, I haven't been put in the chicken wing and the double chicken wing, especially Ricky Steamboats, which is um, it was you know unique putting them in that and then hooking them up. I, I yeah, it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be exhausting on the person giving it as well as the person taking it. Yeah, um, yeah. so I don't know. I would not want to be put in the figure four <laughs> personally. I mean, I I hate the idea of pressure being put down on my shins. It drives yeah. me absolutely nuts. Uh, I have bad shoulders as it is too, so the chicken wing might <laughs> might not be all that great. But um, no, I mean that's a great point. Like a, I like that you brought that up. Like a little wrestling science, I I, I guess. Um, yeah, I really liked during this match that both these guys are working over different body parts too. They were. Oh and, yeah. You know, I yeah. Do, I do want to give some credit to um, the ambiance. Um, of the third match, too, with, like, the, the guest score guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was so different, right? That like, was I cool. It threw me off for a minute, too. I was like, what? why are they here? I mean, they had some legends there. I mean, Terry Funk, obviously, yeah, uh, yeah. we already mentioned. Luthez. Uh, you know, so these are some big names in wrestling. I'm blanking on who the other guy was, but uh, I wasn't very familiar with him. Uh, however, it was just so different. Like, it, it really made, to me, that, that made you realize how important this match was. Mm-hmm. It made it feel like, like uh, Matt said earlier, like those old school, like a, 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 like a boxing match, like a physical yeah. match. And because, and when it, they, they, all of a sudden, you know, the the match is being scored, it felt again like, okay, so this they could, you know, we might have to find out who wins based on points. Yeah, and I love that all during the match they would bring over the scorecards for each yeah, part or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it was like every yeah. ten minutes or something there was a score, um, and yeah. which showed you also like how how they kind of how the dance of of the actual match went and how they timed it and how they moved with the you know they moved with the crowd and the story so you know for about 10 minutes steamboats got the upper hand at the beginning and so he wins it right all his points show him winning and then the next the next 10 minutes you know flair has the upper hand and it's just going back and forth these guys just knew how to do it man they knew how to you know put on a clinic and just play to the crowd and play to the audience and play to the cameras and play to themselves, dude. These guys were just so phenomenal. I had an idea because I feel like we all three agreed that the middle match was the, was the best of the three, right? Yeah. Yes. What if we do a thing where moving forward from here on, we start doing a, a uh, Harley kayfabe match to see or match to watch. And, and like, so this will be one that we say is a must watch match. And at the end of the year, we'll have like a, um, an award show of all the must-watch matches we had, and see which one we think out of all of them is the best. I like that. Oh, I like I it too. Like but that's that. gonna be tough. I guarantee <laughs> it's gonna be tough. But we're gonna. So, but we are saying so. So the first one entered into the the uh, Harley Kayfabe uh, match to watch is the Clash of Champions six Raging Cajun, New Orleans, April second, nineteen eighty nine. 
Dude, this was a. Uh, I gotta tell you, I'm glad I. I, I feel like, you know, when when you say like you you you're glad you had a specific experience. At least you had that in your life. I'm glad I got to experience these three matches. This is this was probably one as as a fan of wrestling and a fan of especially this era and these guys. Man, man, what a treat! This was probably the three greatest matches I've ever seen. Yeah, they're they're 100 up there for sure, and also. Uh, this was Jim Ross on top of his game too, oh, Colonies. Yeah, and man, and I loved the little shots he would take. He knows how to WWE. tell a story, dude. He yeah. knows how to tell a story. Yeah, and he would take little shots at WWE without actually taking shots at <laughs> WWE. I don't know if you noticed that, and I and I love that too. But man, he was so he's he's so good, definite legend too. And I already said it before, but like everybody involved in these matches, from obviously the two wrestlers to the people calling it to the judges outside, to the referees, all were, like, on their game for these. Yeah. All of them were. Yeah. And that, that, man, it added up into one amazing uh, experience for all of us. For yeah. real. And can we can we uh, give a shout-out to referee Tommy Young, too? Seriously? Like, this dude's oh, an yeah. amazing yeah, ref, Yeah, rest dude. in peace. For, yeah, rest in peace for him. For real. He was I think he passed away recently. But, man, he was so good. He really was. So good. He did that old school style with the slap, and then he slid his hand under to see if, he, you know, you had the shoulder up or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love those little, I yeah. love those little touches when I do that stuff. It makes it more realistic to me. Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. So, uh, so there we go. That's our, that's our topic today. Our topic was the Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat 1989 trilogy, some of the three greatest matches of all time. Uh, we've decided the second one is a Harley Kayfabe favorite. So it's a must-watch, guys. If you've not seen it, check it out. It's on the network. I'm sure you can probably find it on YouTube or some yeah, DVD they're all, they're elsewhere. Also on YouTube. Yeah, I, I watched mine on, on YouTube. Um, I, watched, I found them on YouTube first by accident. There you so, go. Uh, you can find them there. But honestly, even though we're picking the second one, and I do agree that's the best of the three, I, you can't go wrong watching no. them. No. Watch them all three. Seriously, yeah. Watch all three. Yeah. So uh, that's it for me. You guys have anything else before we head out? I yep, I'm ready to give Matt the old I'm atomic on. drop. Oh. <laughs> You're asking for it, mister. All right, boys, let's take it home. <laughs>